Tim, welcome to the show. Hey, Kevin, thanks a lot for inviting. Thanks for taking the time. It's what, uh, 8 a.m. Singapore time right now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, if, I, uh, if I give any stupid answers, blame it on uh, lack of sleep. <laughs> no stupid answers. Oh, well, maybe no stupid questions, but stupid answers. So we'll test you on this one. Uh, maybe to, uh, to get you started with a couple of warm-up questions just to wake up a little bit. Um, first one, what did you have for breakfast? Uh, today, nothing. It's 8 a.m. I didn't have a chance to. Do you do, you do fasting or something? And, uh, no, usually it's uh, something like coffee and croissant, kind of like a French breakfast. Uh, but today, yeah, I just uh, didn't want to wake up much earlier to, to have breakfast. I'll have it after this. Fair. Okay, maybe, maybe have this conversation for breakfast. Uh, what's the last podcast you heard? Ooh, probably Lex Friedman. Oh, okay. Which, uh, what was the guest? Uh, I was actually, uh, so there were some interesting ones about Marxism. Uh, I don't remember the names of, of the people that discussed this, uh, but the latest one that I started listening is with Grimes, uh, who's a singer and ex, uh, Elon Musk's girlfriend. But uh, from the first, I don't know, 15 to 20 minutes, she's actually quite educated and quite interested in technology and music production and all that stuff. So uh, I, I turned it on just to, to check what's there, but she's actually quite an interesting person. So I approve Mr. Elon Musk's choice. <laughs> One of his choices. There are probably lots of... Yeah. Questionable choices. Uh, next question. Um, if you were still DJing today, what would be your favorite song to play? Oh, uh, I don't know. Like th there are just too many, too many. This is, this is a hard question to answer. Hard question. Okay. You get one pass, just one, <laughs> uh, fourth one more question. If you were to win the lottery tomorrow, how would you spend your time? Oh, I would definitely uh, hire a private jet, uh, flew all my friends uh, to the to the destination and just have fun with like as many people as I can. Because, you know, everyone is grown ups. It's hard to take time off, blah, blah, blah. But when you say, hey, we're hopping on a private jet and going to some island and having fun for a few days, I'm sure everyone would make uh, an exception uh, and make time for it. It sounds a lot like the fire festival, but trust you. <laughs> okay, hope it would be better. <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure. I'm just teasing. Okay, last one more question. Uh, what's your most contrarian opinion? Uh, in general? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I have many, probably not something to, to speak about on Twitter or talk publicly. Uh, hmm. About SEO, let's, let's tie to SEO or marketing. To SEO? Uh, well, for example, I, I'm not sure how con contrarian it is, but uh, I do think that Google uses data from Chrome to influence their rankings. So some people think it's, it's true, some people think it's not. So I'm, I'm on the true side. I think they do use this data, maybe not on all pages, maybe again for training some subset for machine learning and stuff. But like, I am quite sure that they do it. I don't have any proof, of course, but I think they do. Yeah, I would actually agree with you on this one. So maybe it's our shared contrarian opinion, <laughs> us against the world. <laughs> but uh, and thanks for, for entertaining those kind of warm-up questions. Uh, okay, are you ready for the, for the official questions? Yeah, let's go. All right, so the way that this is gonna go down is that we have selected a couple of winners who submitted their questions on Twitter and LinkedIn for you to answer live. Uh, you selected these questions, so you have kind of an idea of you know what they're about but i might ask some follow-up questions i'm gonna be I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna not be too too hard on you but i might ask some follow-up questions uh just to have an interesting conversation about it uh and the winners or the people who submitted their questions and who were selected um they will get some sweet href swag so i have actually some some stuff here from my swag box uh this is for you to take notes during the conversation and you got some cool stickers here 
We got a uh, keyword research and link juice, actually pretty good stickers, love those. So uh, that and much, much more in the swag box. So thanks to all the people who submitted the questions. Um, and we actually picked eight winners. So we have eight questions. Um, and we're gonna have a conversation to the full hour. So if we run out of questions, I have a couple of backup questions, uh, but I'm sure there's a lot of cool material um, that we have to, to just take our time and, and talk about. All right, first question from my, Michael Rübke. Define an important business SEO metric for which no SEO software tool can provide a data statement for the foreseeable future. Uh, so the, the answer is in the question, actually, uh, the metric that I would choose for that is business potential. So this is something that is incredibly important for our own, uh, content and marketing strategy, because when we are working on an article, we're not just looking at how much search traffic potential it has, uh, how much traffic we can get if we rank well for it, or like, what's the competition? What are our chances to rank for it in the first place? We also factor in the so-called business potential. This is something we, we kind of developed in-house. And this is a simple score from zero to three, where we kind of uh, estimate how well we can pitch our product uh, within this article. And what are the odds of person actually uh, buying that product after reading this article? So basically how, how much your article is actually a sales page for your product. So where business potential of three means that there's there's like no way to solve the problem that you're reading about without using the product so for us that would something that would be something related to uh backlink checking because there is no way to check backlinks to a website unless you have an access to tool like href so all those topics are business potential of three you cannot do this without HR. you cannot just go around the web and collect links manually i don't know hi hire some people on fiverr or something uh business potential of zero means that there is absolutely no way to even mention your product and its fun functionality within a topic. Uh, so, for example, if we talk about, um, I don't know, sales calls, uh, it's very hard to find a plug for a tool like Ahrefs in the context of doing sales calls and what you should talk about and how to persuade people to, to buy from you. Blah, blah, blah. So we grade all our content ideas on, on the scale from zero to three. And uh, even once we do it manually, it is sometimes hard to pick. Is it two or is it three? Uh, so for any tools, any software, it would be very hard to just take your content and grade the, the business potential of your content. Maybe a quick follow up question. Um, what would be a use case where, where you would decide to write about a keyword that maybe has a business value or business score of zero? Uh, that is thought leadership. So we, we do need to work on our reputation uh, and we also need to attract backlinks to our website. And what works best for those things is uh, thought leadership pieces. This is, uh, you, you, you cannot necessarily mention uh, your product and uh, pitch it so that people would buy it from reading the article. But the, the reputation, the branding thing and the, the amount of backlinks, the amount of notoriety uh, you, you can get from this uh, is also worth it. So it's not that our content strategy uh, is completely, uh, there are, there, there's not a single article with business potential of zero. No, we blend them in. So it's, it's actually a balance. You have to factor in many things. Is there any, in, in kind of your, your strategy, is there any variable or aspect that you would say that maybe you look at, but a lot of other companies are not looking at? Is there anything that, that you think is kind of special in that strategy or in that approach? I don't think it's special these days. It might have been like four years ago or something when we just started doing this and uh, no one was talking about what uh, pro product-led content or something like this. Th there was no, uh, no term for that. And a lot of marketers were shying away from promoting their product in their articles. They thought it was too salesy. While as for us, we thought that by not promoting our product, we, we were doing our readers a disservice by not teaching them some amazing uh, marketing strategies of how to implement our product. So yeah, I don't think that today this approach is in any way unique. I think it's very well known. Uh, and I like to think that we were among the first ones to kind of popularize and be an example uh, of this kind of approach to content marketing. Yeah, yeah, I'll probably stress that. I think you, you do a really good job in kind of weaving that in in a way that it's not too 
you know, not too, as you said, artificial or too salesy. It kind of fits into the context, and that's very, that's very pleasing to read. Um, cool. That was the first question. Uh, again, Michael Rutke, thank you so much. I'll make sure to reach out to you um, and ask for your address, and then I'll forward that to Tim so we can send you some swag. Appreciate it. And here goes question number two. Ben Travis asks, are y'all using or planning to use YEP to make hrefs better? If so, how? Tim, I'm sure you, you didn't expect a single question about YEP at all. Uh, no, that's a great question, actually. So uh, if you think about it, hrefs is basically Google Webmaster Tools or Google Search Console for a search engine that doesn't exist. So we have the search console, but we don't have the search engine. Uh, so yep, uh, the search engine that we uh, we didn't really mean to announce it. We only meant to announce our investment in it, but the journalist decided otherwise. So uh, everyone knows that uh, yep.com is our search engine. But anyway, search engine and hrefs are, are two things that are based on basically the same database because for both, you have to crawl the entire web. You have to make sure that the content is your, in your index is fresh. Uh, you have to develop algorithms to understand uh, where is good content, where is bad, where is relevant content, where are good backlinks, where are bad backlinks. So those two projects are incredibly connected. And I guess this is why uh, Dmitry decided that it does make sense to, to launch a search engine because kind of half of the work uh, has all already been done in building hrefs. We have the index of the web, we crawl extremely efficiently and we have extremely uh, active crawler. I believe according to a tool called Cloudflare Raider, I think our uh, crawler is number five in the world. Uh, so yeah, we have pretty, pretty amazing uh, infrastructure. And uh, basically I'm oversimplifying this of course, but basically the only uh, nut to crack for us is the relevancy thing. So that when you uh, enter a query, we know uh, which page from our enormous index is the most relevant one. Of course, this is an incredibly uh, complex job and it can take years, uh, but we're getting there. And as we'll be figuring out uh, some interesting uh, insights into how relevance can be, I don't know, scored, calculated, etc we would be uh, releasing relevant functionality in Ahrefs, which would help people understand uh, why their pages are ranking or not. So yeah, those two projects are very much connected. Yeah, it's, a, it's a great undertaking. Um, a while ago, um, John Mueller, when he was asked what SEO advice he can give in general, mentioned that some of the best things SEOs can do is just try to build a search engine themselves. So my question, my question, my follow-up question to you at this point is, what have you learned so far from building or being part of building yet? Well, uh, to be honest, I'm not uh, a big part of building uh, the search engine because it's it's all uh, developers. Uh, I'm, I'm not very good in engineering and all that stuff. And like I said, uh, for us, it's still the, the early days on top of what we already had. So uh, right now we're in the stage of expanding our team, hiring the best talent uh, and finding the, the most kind of impactful things that we could work at. So yeah, at this moment, I don't think I have any striking insights that I could share with the public. And once I will know something interesting about how Yep ranks pages, I guess I'll have to be very careful about disclosing it because lots of marketers like to exploit loopholes and just take unfair advantage of others. So now I, I can understand uh, the job of spokespeople of Google, uh, where they kind of try to uh, avoid answering some questions directly and such, because yeah, you don't want uh, people to just uh, exploit the hell out of your uh, ranking signals. What do you mean, Tim? There's nothing to worry about. <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. Exploiting search engines, that's news to me. Uh, cool, but thanks for entertaining questions about Yeah, How was the recession so far? Must, I saw you got a big buzz uh, in general. Like, what's your, what's your impression? So what I'm noticing is that uh, the more popular and well-known you get, the more polarizing anything you do gets. So look at Elon Musk. Is there something he has done, I don't know, in the past five years 
that wasn't polarizing, that didn't cause controversy, where some people wouldn't be patting him on the back and others would be criticizing him and telling uh, him that he's stupid. So I think with us, it's the same. Uh, the announcement of YEP basically was polarizing. Some people were cheering us up and saying that this is a good way to, to kind of reinvest your money instead of spending it on, I don't know, Lamborghinis and yachts and, and all that. You guys are trying to build something, uh, something interesting, something with uh, a new agenda of uh, sharing the, the profits with the creators. Uh, others were, of course, criticizing, you'll never get as big as Google, blah, 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 blah. But one important thing is that we don't necessarily need to get even as big as Google, because if you take their, what, 100 billion annual revenue, 1% of that is a billion. 0.1% of that is, ah, what, what's, what's the best, 100 million? So it's already fine, like 0.1% of market share of Google is already 100 million ARR, so... Yeah, not, not bad return on 60 million investment, 100 million, so... Uh, makes a lot of sense, and I'm, I'm I'm rooting for more revenue share with creators. Um, you know, I, I think it's I think it's important uh, from from many many perspectives, but it can lead to more contribution of high quality content from creators as well. So it's definitely something super interesting, and I'm, I'm rooting for you. I hope you guys are successful, and uh, you know that that Yep can at least ch like take a chunk or a bite out of Google's market share. Thank you for that one. Um, cool. We're going over to question number three. So Cindy Crum asks, um, I want to know what has been the Ahrefs marketing campaign that Tim is the most proud of where he really took a chance and it paid off? Great question. Uh, there were lots of interesting things where we uh, took a chance, but probably the thing that I'm most proud of is my blogging for business course. Uh, because I didn't see at the time many companies promoting themselves with, with the course. Uh, and uh, I created it from scratch. It took me quite a while because back then I was one person marketing team. Uh, and uh, yeah, I actually recently published the entire lifespan of that course on the Ahrefs blog. So if you'll search for blogging for business, Ahrefs, uh, uh, how they use the course or something like that, I'm sure you'll find in Google this article. Uh, and I outlined how this course was used for marketing and how many views it generated. I think it generated like the total, in total, all the lessons of this course have generated over half a million views, uh, which is pretty cool. So yeah, we, we first uh, made this course available for free. Then we put it under the paywall. Then when COVID hit, we made it available for free again. We also used it for giveaways, for prizes, etc. So that course had a pretty interesting lifespan and it proved to be a pretty useful tool in marketing uh, of our software. So I guess that's the kind of the marketing undertaking that I'm most proud of because I created it from start to finish. And uh, I'm pretty happy how it, with how it turned out. What would you say is the biggest insight or, or tip or tactic from the course? Well, one of them is actually the business potential, which which I talked about uh, just 10 minutes ago. So it's very important to make sure that your content is selling your product. Otherwise, why are you even creating it? Another very important uh, insight is uh, data-driven content. This is where you take data that is uniquely available to your business. For example, if you are a dentist, you can check like out of people uh, that come to you for some regular cleaning, how many of them have problems with the teeth that you have to fix. So you can aggregate this data over the course of year, five years and publish it on your website and it would be linkable. So the idea is that every business has some interesting proprietary data about their customers, about the problems of their customers, about the state of the industry uh, that only they have. And once they share it, they will get lots of links, links and notoriety. So this is a very, uh, very effective uh, marketing strategy, content marketing strategy to to create content based on the proprietary data that your business has access to. And we uh, we use that strategy quite a bit with Ahrefs data and the data studies that we were publishing. Would you ever build a course again? 
Yeah, I, I actually do want to update the course, but I'm, uh, I'm being torn between updating the course and uh, writing a book about marketing. So I'm, I'm in a limbo. I cannot decide which, which one I should do. To the, to the book. I say to the book. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Thank you. It's my personal opinion. <laughs> Trying to push you over the edge. So, uh, yeah, I'm very curious uh, about a book from you. Cool. Question number four. So Lydia Infante asks, how do they, meaning Ahrefs, manage not to run out of high volume and high intent keywords? They've been writing really relevant content for years and it blows my mind that they don't run out of queries to tackle and that there's an exclamation mark at the end. So it really seems to blow her mind. Yeah, uh, amazing question. Amazing question. I think I've been asked this question quite a bit within our team, actually. Uh, I think we actually did run out uh, of the high intent, high volume keywords. Uh, all of them were covered, I don't know, in the first two years or something. But uh, two things, uh, two important things. First one is that we don't necessarily rank number one for all these keywords. So we can go back and update, rewrite those articles again and again and again until they rank at the top. So, for example, uh, in the next few weeks, I'll be rewriting my beginner's guide to keyword research uh, yet again. And it would be the fifth or sixth time that I'm rewriting it. And every time I revisit it, like in, in six months or in 12 months, I always find something that I can improve, update about it uh, and make it a little bit better. So, yeah, uh, we we did cover all the most important keywords in terms of uh, the balance between the traffic and the business potential long ago, but we don't rank for all of them. So we update them all the time and we republish them to the top of our blog. This is why it seems that uh, we always publish new stuff on our blog. But I would say that about 30 percent of what we publish is actually rewritten articles from before. And the second important takeaway is that uh, to grow your business, you don't necessarily need to target high volume keywords, but high business keywords for sure. So, for example, a topic like uh, broken link building, uh, it doesn't have lots of search traffic potential, but we have amazing tools for broken link building within Ahrefs. So it is absolutely critical for us to, to rank uh, high in Google for that topic. So, yeah, we, we also target quite a bit of keywords that have low search volumes, but very high business potential. Um, how do you decide when to refresh content or rewrite it? So uh, that's a great question. We, we, uh, we struggled with the challenge quite a bit because when you have like 600 articles on your blog, I constantly told Josh like there's this awesome content uh, content audit framework that we are advocating ourselves that you have to review your content you have you have to put it in buckets which ranks well which doesn't rank well which requires a push blah 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 but when you have freaking 600 articles how do you cherry pick the next i don't know 10 or 20 that you have to work on balancing like okay what's the traffic potential what's the ranking potential what's the business potential uh it's very hard so we actually uh delegated this to the writers themselves. Uh, each of our writers now is responsible for tracking their own portfolio of articles, which means it's not 600 articles for one person to review, but about, I don't know, 20, 30, 50 maybe articles for one person to review. And that person is the one who wrote them in the first place, which helps with kind of uh, mental capacity to process what's happening there. So once a quarter, we do performance reviews where they analyze their portfolio and they're picking uh, a few opportunities. Opportunity is when you, you can do a little facelift, a little update of the article and it, it would become better and we would pump it to the top of our blog. Uh, and this kick might be enough for it to run better. Or they have to also pick some overhauls. This is when the article doesn't rank at all. And they will probably have to rewrite it from scratch and maybe take an entirely different angle at it. Uh, so which is similar to writing an article from scratch. And this one is actually balanced against writing an article on an entirely new topic. So you look at your portfolio. Uh, you obviously take care of the opportunities where you can do a small update and the article would be better and you push it to the to the front page of the blog. 
But in terms of overhauls, the articles that weren't ranking well, and we usually take time frame anywhere from six to eight months. If we published an article and it doesn't seem to be bringing any traffic in six to eight months, we consider a total rewrite. But again, you have to uh, check for, uh, uh, for opportunity cost. I think this is the concept from economics. Like there are some topics that we haven't covered on our blog yet. So what would be more important to rewrite this article or to write an article about an entirely new thing? So uh, we always have to make some bets uh, and we're just hoping that we're making good bets and um, most of them are, are winning ones. Yeah, I love that. It's a very similar framework to how we approached that G2 as well, where we had a, a large writer organization uh, and thought about a writer portfolio. So you kind of, you have this, like you have your own responsibility, similar to how maybe a sales rep has their territory or, uh, you know, a marketer has their channel and you, you're basically responsible for keeping that traffic alive and, and growing it over time within a realistic mean, of course. Um, have you, have you kind of found any, um, any, um, any good frameworks for deciding how much to improve of an article? Because one thing that I notice a lot is when, when I ask a writer or a marketer or, or tell them, hey, this article needs to be rewritten or refreshed or updated, they're often like, okay, cool, so what do we need to do? How do you think about that? How do you instruct someone to, to rewrite or update an article? Uh, so right now, this is done with that performance review where they pick three to five articles that they think uh, can use a little rewrite. Uh, and we hop on a call, uh, either with me or with our head of content, Joshua, or like with all three of us. And we do a quick discussion if their, I, their idea of how this article should be updated makes sense or not, or they're overthinking it, or they're underthinking it. Uh, that's basically it. I don't think you can just uh, kind of quantify this and put an SOP because all articles are very different and uh, to to create some general rules of how they can be updated, I'm not even sure that it is possible. Maybe you disagree with me here. No, I, I love the term uh, underthinking too. <laughs> I think that happens quite a lot. <laughs> cool, content refreshes, all makes sense. Uh, question number five, David Ramos asks, is SEO becoming more of a product or UX discipline than marketing? and what can you do as SEO? So in my opinion, it's, it's hard for me personally to look at SEO as a, a discipline that is disconnected from everything else in your business. Uh, I am a huge advocate of kind of holistic approach to SEO where it is connected basically to everything you do. Because if you are improving your product and you're adding new functionality, you have to understand that you have to have a dedicated page per per feature kind of, because if someone is searching for how to do something or like the, the name of the feature, you should have a page for it so that it would rank. So this is part of SEO as, as much as the other way around. If you know that certain functionality gets a ton of search demand and this, it is within the scope of your business, it, it is within the scope of your product, but you don't have it you better prioritize developing it. So this is, for example, what we did uh, with uh, our backlink checker free tool. Uh, we had a landing page for backlink checker, but it was ranking below number eight uh, because it was just a landing page. And we realized that everyone who was outranking us uh, were free online tools that you could use right away without registration and anything. So we went to the product team and said, guys, we need to, to develop uh, a free tool because otherwise we won't be getting all, all the juicy uh, search traffic to our website. So we changed almost nothing about the actual landing page other than creating a form like uh, put your domain or URL and click uh, show me backlinks. Uh, we turned the, the landing page to a free tool and immediately it shot up to position number one and it started collecting lots and lots and lots of long tail search traffic for all the backlink checking related search queries and yeah from there it's bringing tons of traffic to our website and this is the case where it's not just seo in the sense of here's our website optimize it 
No, like we, we identify that there is a demand for a certain thing and it can only be served if we ask the product team to develop the actual product, even, even though it is a free product, not a premium one. They developed it, uh, we put it online and it uh, gave us an SEO boost. So I do believe that SEO is extremely connected to everything you do. Uh, SEO is even connected to networking because oftentimes when you want to get uh, amazing backlinks, you have to know the people behind the websites personally. You have to hang out with them uh, in the conferences. You have to be friendly to them uh, and blah, blah, blah. Uh, in the same way that uh, personal branding and branding in general also plays a big role. Uh, so if you're working on a personal brand and people know you, then you have better reach and better reach means more potential backlinks. So SEO is extremely connected to uh, everything in your business. And uh, the more the business owner understands that, the happier the SEO team would be. 100%. Of course, my follow-up question is, why do you think so few business owners get that? I see so many businesses, especially large businesses and public companies, completely missing the mark on that. And um, I have, you know, I, I think there's there's more nuance to when that works well and when it doesn't work well. But just broad, broadly speaking, why do you think so many companies don't get that? So I don't think they, uh, the, the business owners should necessarily get that. I think it's the job of uh, marketers and SEO professionals to persuade them because with uh, most of SEO decisions or SEO ideas or let's let's talk generally marketing ideas that I had, I had to go and persuade Dimitri, our CEO and founder, that it makes sense. And uh, sometimes he would uh, dissuade me from doing something because he wouldn't think that it makes sense. Sometimes he would agree and we would do this. So it's all about talking more to the to the business owner to the stakeholders and persuading them and having good arguments having good examples so one good example in terms of backlink checker uh, because of course when when you're spending so much resources to crawl the web and to collect an amazing uh, database of backlinks you don't want to share it for free but my simple argument to dmitry was Dmitry, come on, if we are not going to do this, Neil Patel is going to do this with Uber Suggest, and he is going to collect all the search traffic to his free backlink checker, while we would be still ranking number eight. And that was quite a persuasive argument, because if you won't do it, something else, some, someone else will do this. So yeah, you have, to, you have to have good arguments as to why something should be done. And those arguments are not necessarily in the scope of we can get traffic if we do this. You, you should sometimes look at a broader picture at your competitors uh, and other opportunities that you have. Awesome. You already answered my, my next question, which is, you know, how to craft a good argument. So you have the <laughs> competitor comparison, uh, which is always a great argument to say, hey, our competitors are doing this. We should, we should at least do that, if not do more. Um, another argument, of course, is traffic or even better revenue, potential revenue you can generate. Um, is there a third argument that comes to mind or a third type of argument that marketers can use to persuade their bosses, managers, or even the owners of the business? Amazing argument is resources, if you have them or not. Because if something is incredibly hard to pull off, then it, it would be very hard to persuade. But if you already have some building blocks in place where you just have to connect them to, to create something, or if you have a person on your team that can like do it in a few hours, or if you can just hire someone at Upwork and it would cost you, I don't know, 500, uh, a few thousand dollars and it will, it will get done, then it's a good argument. So the yeah, ability to manage resources effectively is always a good argument for implementing uh, efficient and effective SEO tactics. Powerful. Thank you for this one. Question number six, Samuel Lavoy asks, what's Ahrefs feature Tim is most proud of and what's Ahrefs most underutilized or unknown tool slash feature? The most underutilized tool within Ahrefs is actually Content Explorer. This is also like a specialized search engine for content. So basically, for example, if you're doing link prospecting uh, and let's say you have an, a productivity app, you have developed a productivity app and you want to reach out to people who have websites uh, that who write about productivity because you want to show your app to them, maybe persuade them to become affiliates, maybe persuade them to write a review, whatever. Maybe, I don't know, get a link from them in some way. 
you, you know me, you, you know what I'm trying to say. So in Content Explorer with Google, if you write about, if, if you search for productivity blog or articles about productivity, you only get a hundred search results, uh, 10 results per page as you, uh, usually. Content Explorer has an index of almost all content from all around the web. So whatever topic you search for that should appear on pages that blogs in your industry talk about, will give you everything we have. So you can export hundreds of thousands of articles uh, that belong to unique blogs. And then you have the SEO metrics. So you can filter, okay, show me only blogs that have domain rating from 60 to 70. Uh, uh, and you have lot, lots of other filters. For example, you only want to see results from uh, websites that have search traffic over 5,000 searches a month. Uh, so yeah, Content Explorer is incredible tool for prospecting for link prospecting for finding uh websites to to connect with to pitch your stuff uh as for my favorite feature oh probably that's the one we recently released it's traffic potential it's the one we we've talked with you about quite a while ago so uh this is where it's it's it might be misleading at times to look at the search volume of a keyword alone because pages don't rank for just a single keyword, they rank for all the keyword variations, which is why it is very important to look at the top ranking pages and analyze how much search traffic they get in total. So we developed this into an extremely straightforward metric. We take the search traffic of the number one ranking page and we call it traffic potential uh, of that keyword and we put it uh, in the uh, in the table with the keyword metrics. So this is very, very handy because then you can, uh, when analyzing the keyword ideas, you can see if any keywords have a disproportionate amount of traffic potential, which means that the topic is much larger than this individual keyword, keyword that you're looking at, as well as the other way around. There might be a very popular so-called head keyword or the most popular way to search for something, but the actual topic is very narrow, so there aren't that many variations, so the traffic potential is low. So this is a very handy metric to use in keyword research. Yeah, I 100% agree. I just recently found a keyword that had, I think, a, a monthly search volume of 200, but the actual traffic potential was 5,000. Mm. That was, you know, <laughs> simple, simple, easy. Uh, especially when you pair it with keyword difficulty, then you have a, a perfect match to understand what to really go after. Uh, so uh, yeah, a lot of fun. I think if I had to choose myself, um, I, I haven't tried this out yet, but I'm really curious about the um, the SERP tracker that you built into, um, that you just recently published, um, the historical SERPs. Um, and I think it's because the, the search results changed so much. And as SEOs, we don't have a good way to track or understand that, right? There's another thing where you really need a third-party tool to understand what's happening because Google Search Console won't give you the num the answer. And sure, you can you know you can go out and hire people on Fiverr to take screenshots every day. I actually, there are actually companies that do that. I'm not kidding. They actually take manual screenshots. Public companies. I won't name the names, but it exists. It's out there. Uh, so very curious about the the historic rank tracker. Uh, what do you think is, maybe as a follow-up question to that, what do you think is the most misunderstood feature in Ahrefs? Or what do you, what do you think is the, the one that, that people misuse or abuse? I think actually the, uh, the most fundamental features are often misunderstood because uh, as we were hiring more marketers to, to our team uh, and they had a simple uh, interview questionnaire uh, that I was asking them and there were questions like, do you know how keyword difficulty is calculated? And lots of people are not aware how we calculate keyword difficulty. Uh, in case uh, people watching this are among the ones that not sure, keyword difficulty is calculated based on the number of backlinks to the top ranking pages alone. So we don't look at any other factors except for backlinks. And some people think that it's a complex metric where we look at things like, I don't know, website age, website authority, relevance, blah, 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 and throw everything in. And I was like, no, no, no. Keyword difficulty is much more straightforward. It's very simple, but that's why it's very actionable. So yeah, um, even this, uh, sometimes when I, when I talk to people, uh, I realize that even the most fundamental things that to me are kind of obvious, 
uh, and banal to to other people they just didn't kind of have a chance or opportunity or interest to dig in and understand which is basically which kind of means that we are not doing great job as marketers to popularize how our tools and metrics work so some some work for us to do on that front yeah one thing that i love to do is i love to filter domains by only number one rankings and then stretch uh, uh strap out the brand so only have keywords non-branded keywords that they rank number one for and then uh, sort that table by keyword difficulty to see what's their kind of quote-unquote potential right like what's the most difficult keyword that they can go after to define an upper ceiling and then ideally aim for keywords below that keyword difficulty sure kind of you over time you grow your capacity but that's that's one one thing that i actually factor into my keyword research that maybe i haven't been very public about that but that works really really well so uh thanks for leaving keyword difficulty in there and makes a ton of sense makes a ton of sense so it does cool question number seven graham monique sorry i mispronounced the last name asks search research tools are many and increasingly commodified how does Ahrefs differentiate best in market and add value for its users outside of product features? Uh, outside of product features? Uh, um, I don't know, maybe, uh, yeah, it's, I think Ahrefs has some nice differentiation in terms of our kind of ethics and philosophy. So, for example, we don't use retargeting. So if you visit hrefs.com, we won't stalk you with banners and such everywhere you go. We don't have Facebook pixels, uh, Google pixels, Twitter pixels. So we, we are not feeding your data to uh, all those big companies. Uh, we don't use pop-ups on our website. We don't use uh, tricky wording on our websites. We don't even bid on our competitor brands because we think it's it's not ethical to do this, even though competitors bid on our brand. So yeah, I think a good differentiation is uh, how we act ourselves, that we are not trying to, to trick people, to deceive people. We're not trying to uh, use every adva advantage we have to, to squeeze more money out of people. The other day, I actually was talking to Dmitry about this and I said that uh, you're kind of handicapping our marketing department by your ideology uh, with uh, different marketing tricks and tactics and so-called growth hacks. So, like, are you sure that you're willing to give up revenue uh, because of these uh, uh, convictions that you have? And he said, yeah, like, I do believe that uh, it doesn't make sense to make more money at the expense of tricking people into something. And he said, I do believe that in the long term, this is the right thing to do because growth hacks come and go, uh, but the reputation and how you were treating your, uh, your customers, uh, it stays with you. So I think that this is a, a very good differentiation, our, our ethics, what we stand for, what we advocate. And because our marketing department, we are marketing to other marketers, we're kind of spreading our ideas uh, to other people. So I believe by, by our stance, we're also affecting how other marketers act. But Tim, have you tried showing a pop-up to users? Maybe an email pop-up would give you more emails? <laughs> we did. We did like seven years ago. Because to ban something, we first have to do it. Dmitry has to see it and say, no, 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 we're not doing this kind of thing. So yeah, there were pop-ups at HREFs at some point. Wow. Okay. That's uh, so seven years ago. Uh, no, but I'm, I, I love it. And I think another thing that you do uh, to provide value is just create a lot of uh, really good content out there for people to, you know, free content for people to, to uh, structure their marketing. Yeah, but that is not unique. That is not unique these days. So again, like five years ago, seven years ago, providing that much value for free was unique. But now this is kind of a standard for content marketing. I guess it depends on the content, right? Like you, you, you publish a lot of great research, for example, lately, uh, like the no click, uh, sorry, the, the, mm -hmm. the search console data that's missing. You don't have to do that, right? You can just keep writing yeah. about other stuff, but that's a value add for the community. So mm -hmm. I, w I would kind of argue that. Um, and maybe, maybe as a follow-up question. Um, so as part of the question, um, 
um, differentiation came up from other tools. Where do you think SEO tools are going in the future? Like, I, I know predictions are always difficult, but like, where do you see this whole game of SEO tools moving towards? Oh, that's a great question. That's a great question. I'm, I'm very bad at predicting future. Uh, and I think all of us are for that matter, because who would have thought that 2022 would turn out as it turned out? So yeah, it's very hard to tell, but I like it's, it's totally wishful thinking, but I hope that the AI content generation tools will fade in their popularity soon because I really don't want as a user, uh, as the user of the internet, I really don't want to consume content written by computers. Uh, unless, of course, this is something very generic, like the scores of the recent, I don't know, boxing bout or football game or something like this, where you don't really need uh, a talented writer to, to tell you what happened. Uh, but in terms of consuming, consuming information, consuming opinions, uh, consuming even reviews, I do want to read uh, expert stuff from people who know what they're talking about, rather than something rewritten uh from 10 other pages by an ai tool so i really hope that and in our case in in hf's case the reason why we still haven't released an on-page tool is because this is what we stand for we don't want the content online to be auto-generated we don't want content online to be similar so 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 that when you search for something you open the first 10 pages and all of them are essentially the same the same structure, the same takeaways, the same information. Like what, what's even the point of, uh, of having 10, 10 links? And what's even the point for Google to, to search those, to, to show those extra results when Google itself can take this information, rewrite it into their own article and just show you the article uh, answer to your question. So yeah, I really hope that NCO tools will take the lead on this and uh, promote the idea that content should be created by experts and not robots and give the necessary tools and functionality to support content creators to help them create amazing content and to help them get value from this content get visitors to this content so i hope that this is where we are going in the next i know five years uh, it's a really good answer. Have you seen any tools that, that create really good AI content that can do this very well, that maybe even to a degree where, uh, you know, like you're, you're worried? No, like if you, if you do this as a, as a test and you ask an AI tool, like, uh, please create me an article about uh, cat food. And since you don't know anything about cat food, really, uh, you're reading an article and it's fine. It's like some, some interesting stuff about cat food because they basically uh, take this information from somewhere else and they kind of uh, write it in their own article. But can an AI tool produce any novel ideas? It cannot because it is not what sentient. Uh, this is why all, all, all AI tools can do is they can take existing information and rewrite it. So, uh, and I personally want to uh, want humanity to move forward and uh, I want novel ideas to have an edge over rewritten stuff. So I hope Google will also figure it out how to see if the article has any new unique cutting edge stuff or where is the article that is rewritten for a bunch of from a bunch of similar articles. Yeah, yeah, I 100% agree with you. I've seen some tools that can create good content in my mind in terms of it's readable, it's understandable, it makes sense uh, when reading it, but I 100% agree with you at the same time. Um, the the unique value proposition that humans have is that they can just synthesize information into something new that doesn't exist yet, or maybe con connect the dots to a degree that machines cannot, hopefully, hopefully. Yeah, so easy example, the, the study of Google Search Console that you referenced that uh, Patrick Stocks have published recently on our blog, this is something AI tools cannot do. But what AI tools can do, they, they can take this article and rewrite it and publish a copy of this research somewhere else. But again, we have an edge with the original research. That's it. Yes, absolutely. That's why I appreciate so much that you create that kind of content. Cool, which brings me to question eight and the last community or user question. Andrew Swinney asks, 
I think we all have a secret belief we don't share because it's not talked about or backed by large data sets. What is TIMS? Hmm. <laughs> so uh, we already talked about one of them, which is that uh, Google is probably using the data they collect from Chrome. Uh, there is no evidence to that. Another, it's not a belief, it's a suspicion I have, which kind of so sounds stupid, but I, I cannot do anything about it. I think that if you promote a page in Google with uh, ads, with pay-per-click ads, they might be kind of discouraged to move you higher in the organic search results because you're paying them. This, this sounds really unfair and I really hope that Google is not doing this, but this is such a straightforward way to squeeze more money out of your customers. Uh, the same thing that, uh, uh, similar thing, it's not really about uh, SEO, but about those platforms like Twitter and LinkedIn, where people brag about how many views they get on their posts. I have a suspicion that a good chunk of those views reported are fake and they're simply to encourage people to uh, create more content on the platform and stay longer there to, to kind of motivate people. So there is no way to know if, if uh, the platforms are inflating their views and there is no way to know if Google is uh, uh, not ranking the pages well organically if those pages are being advertised. But I have those suspicions. I have those suspicions. Yeah, all I can say at this point is that I encourage everyone to test paid versus organic spend and pay attention to uh, rank. And, and sure, you, sh you want to test it anyway for uh, channel incrementality reasons, right? So there's, I think there's a lot of reasons to do it, but uh, insights can be can be very surprising. Um, maybe like uh, one or two follow-up questions um, about this one. You, you mentioned um, social platforms uh, as well. How did, are you still active on any social platform? And, you know, do you think it makes sense to quote unquote, create an audience on any social platform or do you think it's all just kind of like shallow and fake fluff? This is, this is an amazing question that I wrestle with, uh, almost not, not every day, but every week for sure. So the, the only platform where I'm active is Twitter. Uh, I do kind of try to remind myself and to push myself to at least copy paste what I'm posting on Twitter to LinkedIn, uh, because oftentimes LinkedIn gives you some nice reach and people are commenting and people are sharing. So, so you do get value out of, out of posting there, especially if your posts contain something related to, to the business and bringing, uh, more customers to the business or bringing more value, more awareness to what your product does. So it does have business value. But uh, what bothers me is that all your reach and all your audience of these platforms can kind of fade overnight if they just turn one knob that uh, like Tim shouldn't be getting as much uh, as much exposure, as much engagement on his posts anymore because we want again we want to give more room to promote uh, some ads within people's feeds. So yeah, that is what worries me. Plus. Uh, I'm one of those people that don't like posting stuff just for the sake of likes and uh, retweets and engagement. Uh, you know, those kind of banal things that uh, people retweet the hell of, like uh, 99 Twitter accounts are, what's the, like Twitter is a free university, blah, blah, blah. Here's a thread about something. So I don't like, I cannot make myself do this stuff. I know that some people are advocating that you should be doing this to grow an audience and there's nothing wrong about this. But somehow I, I want to post on Twitter things that I do deeply care about and they do believe that are uh, valuable to the audience, not to me. Because if I post for likes, then I'm posting something that is not necessarily relevant. It, it, it all again kind of comes back to the ethics. Am I tricking people with some like format that I know would perform well and uh, they would do what I want them to do? Or do I genuinely want to provide value to people? So this is the same. I, I just cannot make myself at the end of my threads to say, 
don't forget to follow me and don't forget to retweet the first uh, the first uh, tweet in the thread blah 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 I, I don't know I just cannot make myself do this I just post on Twitter whatever I truly believe in and uh, w whatever I want to discuss with other people on Twitter I get the I get I get it I get it it's it's kind of it's not infuriating but it's kind of it's almost frustrating to see how many people on Twitter and LinkedIn get so many followers with so much fluff, right? But then on the other hand, you would also ask yourself, okay, if that's what people want from that person, then that person probably cannot deliver deeper insights or it's probably, you know, they probably follow that person for that type of fluff. There's probably some virtue signaling involved as well, but what really is the value, right? So it goes back to, you know, a lot of traffic, but no business value, a lot of likes, but no real uh, messaging and no, no real value. And I don't want to criticize people who do it. Uh, I don't want. I don't want to mean that uh, those people are I don't know bad or disingenuous, disingenuous or anything like that. So uh, I don't want to look down on these people or something. I'm just talking about myself personally and how I feel personally. And for some reason, I cannot make myself do this because it's just not me. It's just like out of character or something like this. So if you feel good about doing this, if it's on character for you, if you don't have any moral quandaries about it, then you should do this. If people like it, then there's something in it. It's just, it's not my thing. So that's it. I think it's fair to say. I think it's fair to say. No, no, I think it's only fair to have an opinion these days. Uh, I know it's not fashionable, right? These days you have to be very diplomatic, but I, I think it's totally fine. And you have some very valid points and I, I appreciate you bringing those up. Um, Tim, we're coming to the end of our session, uh, which which makes me very sad because I, I greatly enjoy the conversation. Uh, again, thanks to everyone who um, who submitted questions. We have eight winners with great questions i'll reach out to all of you to make sure you get your swag packages uh, and i appreciate you all tuning in uh and uh tim i want i want to leave the last words to you so uh maybe as my last question for today um to you would be uh what do you wish for the seo community oh so we, we can start from the the last thing we discussed uh, about uh, being political and having uh, having opinions uh, and being critical of other people. So the first thing I would wish for SEO and it's not even SEO community. It's like people in general, and I don't know people on Twitter in general. Is I don't know to be more kind and less judgmental, because the other day I tweeted kind of a observation that. Uh, our mentions are being removed from backlinko.com and being replaced with SMrush because they uh, obviously bought it. I I didn't uh, criticize anyone in that tweet. I even had like a smiling uh, and a crying uh, emoji there. So it's like, I'm sad, but I can understand why it's happening. And I didn't expect that this tweet would be so polarizing and people would jump at us and like say things like mind your own business, this is their business decision, blah, blah, blah. But what's interesting is that when I saw uh, someone else uh, posting the same thing on LinkedIn, the sentiment there was like completely positive. Like in our case, no one was criticizing us for, for pointing this out and such. So. I don't know, somehow people kind of treat Twitter as a way to criticize others and uh, like get into debates which are not necessarily respectful. So I know that me and you had quite a few disagreements on Twitter, but they are always in a very respectful way. Like I'm not trying to put you down. You're not trying to put me down. We're having a conversation of two adult people and we want to remain friends after our Twitter exchange. Like it's okay to disagree, but the way you disagree and what you say and how you say it is very important. So it's, it's okay and people should be disagreeing and people should be expressing their opinions, but people should be just kinder, express your opinion with more because you don't know what is happening in other person's life, why they tweeted it, what's the context. You, I think it's it's written in the Bible something uh, along along the side along sides of don't don't judge or something like this. So it does make sense to to not be judgmental. Express your opinion, but don't judge other people. So this is what I wish for uh, SEO community to to be more kind to each other. 
Ladies and gentlemen, Tim Solo.